Welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. I'm Amir Malikpour. And we are talking about Omega the Unknown, number six from 1976, A Tug of the Wrench. Mm. <laughs> what an odd comic. You, for, even for an odd comic, this was an odd comic. It's weird for a weird comic, yeah. <laughs> uh, the issue starts with what we don't know at the time, but ends up being a dream sequence. But there's a lot of character building stuff in that sequence. Mm-hmm. What did you make of the scenes of our hero running away from the robots and kind of going through an existential crisis as he runs away? Well, to me, it seems like the repeat of the, I believe it was the first issue. Some of the dialogue is the same too, right? You know, the organism mm-hmm. ceases to live when it ceases to grow. Prospect of change looms so terrifying. You know, like, I think it's the same dialogue as the first issue when we're introduced to the hero. Or should we call him Sam, according to Grandpa? <laughs> we can call him Sam, yeah. Because that's a real name for him. Finally. But yeah, it seems like it's just a... You know the night it's uh, Jay, uh you know James Michael's nightmare of what could happen. Somehow, you know the hero is involved in it, and and the you know the the same thought process it repeats itself. Yeah, it's interesting um, how this is all from inside James Michael's head, almost like subliminally in his head, but it's all echoing from the first issue, yeah. and then brings in all the characters from his middle school also. Mm-hmm. and amber and ruth so it really is like we're really getting a sense of connection between these characters mm-hmm. and they're k- getting killed too like they're getting shot by the metal men yeah so it's also like full of this anxiety about uh james nedley getting beat up in the previous issues like it's so interesting it really is tied to so many different things yeah. The funny thing about it is, though, the dialogue, I just realized it where it says, like, they go Amber, John, Diane, before the deadly blast of the metal men, aided and abetted by Nick and Tank. So why is Tank, like, they're helping the bad guys kill, you know, in, in his dream, kill all of James Michael's friends? Yeah, and they, we were talking about Tank being his friend, right, because he was eating lunch with him. Mm-hmm. But maybe he kind of condemns him too for being violent. Like, yeah, well, he shouldn't be, he, he's just as bad as Nick because he used violence. Mm-hmm. Clearly, like, this is everything getting all mixed in together. Mm-hmm. They're primitives. That's such an interesting phrase, too, because there's all this stuff about our hero being like this enlightened man. This, this yeah. organism that, that's on a higher level in some ways. I'm just a little bit baffled by the part where it's, well, not baffled, but I'm interested in wonder what it means. I think it implies that if uh, the hero, Omega, whatever, um, if he dies, all these problems go away. Yeah, I think, it, I think that's James Michael wrestling with that. Maybe if we don't have, I don't have this guy haunting me and I'll get the answers to all the problems in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're right, like the next issues, the next page rather. Wow, that's a funny slip. Uh, starts, starts again with, are you in pain, James Michael? Which is something we already encountered in, in the series too. Everything just echoes and echoes. Yeah, and it's funny, this one, the roots being a little creepy. That's what I wrote down. Her face is in the shadows. 
It's a weird look in her eyes. Yeah, I don't know if that's just the artist. Not, you know, just not really. But she's almost like, why is she looking at him like that? But she also does, like, puts him down, too. Like, calls him a robot, which is... Mm -hmm. And, like, also, like, says that, like, oh, now I have to babysit you because Amber isn't around. Which is funny because she's the reason James Michael is staying with them and she's resentful of him. I think we're starting to see who Amber really is, or who Ruth really is, rather. Uh, now that they're not, their lives aren't surrounded around James Michael, we're seeing that she is kind of this insecure person from real life challenges she's dealing with. We're getting an idea of her, her real emotional complexity and how much it is frustrating for her, for her to have to look after James Michael. Because there's a scene a little bit later on, too, where... Uh, she's waiting at she's, Ruth doesn't go looking for James Michael she waits in the apartment looking all haggard and, and torn apart but then and then she sends Amber out to look for him well actually Amber volunteers right I don't think does Ruth send her out well Amber volunteers but Ruth isn't looking at all so Amber feels oh right, right right yeah, yeah and there's even the line on that page Ruth is in hysterics again mm. And we'll find out in two or three issues why she's in hysterics again. And there's really good reasons that tie to Man-Thing. Oh, really? Oh. Who we'll encounter later on. But we have no idea about this. Mm -hmm. See, Ruth is a person who's been through a lot of trauma in her life already. Her mm -hmm. life is really torn up. And uh, her relationships are... We, we've already seen if we're a big Gerber fan or if we're inside Gerber's head, this woman is just... Her life is messed up and so to see her be kind of cold toward, towards james michael i think she reveals a lot about her character mm. and then there's also a, a note on page or panel three of the next page where i i first thought this was a slip on panel three that small inset panel that just shows james michael's face it says he may have talked to amber told her about the dream but told her what and the first time I read that, I thought, okay, they made a mistake. He should have said, they should have said, he may have talked to Ruth. But no, now that I looked at it again, he's got a wall between him and Amber. He, there's a lack of trust or... Oh, him and Ruth or Amber? Or between him and Ruth, excuse me. He's a lot closer to Amber. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know if I'm reading too much into it. Where's that dialogue again? It's on the next page after James Michael wakes up where he's going down oh. the stairs. Oh, okay. And there's the small third panel with the pink lettering. He might've talked to Amber, told her about the dream, but told her what? And Amber's even in bold, like they're emphasizing he would talk to her. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's evident. I mean, he has a close relationship with Amber. Yeah, he looks up to her. There's even a little implication when he sees Amber out with her date that he's jealous of her. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, this page with the homeless guy or the bum, mm -hmm. I felt like, I don't know what the, it was kind of useless other than the fact that it would be a segue to the name because he gives the homeless person some money and it says, oh, he's probably going to go buy alcohol with it. And then the next page you see Sam or the hero, Omega hero, drinking alcohol and getting drunk mm -hmm. 
I think that's, it's kind of like, it almost felt like these two pages were filler. Yeah, like a wasted page in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I can really see that. Or maybe just, uh, you know, a, a bum trying to bug a kid. I mean, it gives some feeling of what this neighborhood is like and mm -hmm. how screwed up things are. Yeah, and there's more, more to my point. Amber would call me a fool. No, he doesn't even think about Ruth there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because they just have a better relationship. Amber's Amber more comes for food. Yeah. Yeah, she's just more streetwise and stuff. Yeah, I, now that you mentioned, yeah, like the bum is almost like if if Gerber knew he only had 10 issues, he, I wonder if he would have kept that scene in. Mm -hmm. It's a whole page that almost feels indulgent. Yeah. Gerber and Screenus actually only have eight issues, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Weird little tiny note. I'm sure it's not intentional. When James wakes up, James Michael wakes up, going back to that, the word that flashes over his head is Badoom, which is meant to be a sound effect and is a sound effect. But yeah. weirdly enough, Gerber was writing Guardians of the Galaxy at the time. And the Guardians of the Galaxy storyline starts with the heroes defeating the Badoom who are a race of alien beings. But doing it with an N, like Nancy? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense in context, but is it possible there's a tiny connection there? Probably not. I think it's funny that when you get, I've, I've seen this before where like, sometimes if it's a, in, in comic book and uh, superhero comics where it's a little bit more juvenile, sometimes the sounds or the, the, the lettering on the sounds it's actually kind of juvenile so in this case this is a traumatic event i don't know if badoom is really appropriate for this situation you know it should be <laughs> something else you know yeah, -dong -dong -ding. Right. it's almost like uh you know the three studios ding dong ding -dong -dong. <laughs> you know it's like i don't know it's appropriate. It all that. yeah <laughs> it takes you out yeah Badoon. Badoon, dong, dong, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Although, and again, I gotta love, I gotta praise Mooney, right? The look on James Michael's face when he wakes up, that's pretty terrified. Yeah, Mooney's good. Did he have an inker on this? I don't think he does. This right? is Mike Esposito inks. Esposito. You can tell the inks because everything's a little more rounded. There's a, a, a there's fewer full backgrounds. Yeah, it just, it doesn't have that same kind of grittiness. It's a little too smooth for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a subtle difference. What do you think of our hero getting drunk? Uh, I think it's, 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 a, it's interesting. Also, it's a precursor to him not being able to perform well against uh, the villain of this comic book, Wrench. Just such a pathetic villain. He is totally pathetic. Yeah. Yeah. I, everything about him is, is uh, so ground level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Makes yeah. We just, sense. we just got done with Elgato. Who's also like clearly just a character from the neighborhood. Who's not this threat to world domination. And this mm -hmm. guy, Kurt is even more that way. He's just some dude, some mm -hmm. poor pathetic dude who misses his mom is trying to make sense of the world. He reminded me of a character like from a Martin Scorsese movie. 
Which character? Well, he's, he's like a little bit like Travis Bickle. I know why I'm kind of dancing around it. You know, he's a guy who's kind of lost in society. He's trying to live his pathetic little life. Um, he, but, you know, he can't even get by. This is the wrench? Yeah. Mm. He's Talk about that a little bit. What do you mean? Like, uh, is, um, like his, I guess his backstory is that he, his mom was killed by a mugger. Mm -hmm. And then he went into depression or something. And then what's his motive? I don't even know why he broke into that lady's apartment. Because she's his mom's best friend. Oh, okay. Oh, I missed that. She was his mom's best friend. And so if his mom's going to go, she should go, I guess. Oh, okay. But yeah, I don't think there's a strong motivation. I think it's meant to be just his kind of it's, psychosis. It's funny because when I, I was actually going to mention something on the cover. So on the cover, he's not blonde. He almost looks like one of the popular villains from Marvel, like uh isn't there like uh, Mr. Hyde or something? I thought it was going to be Mr. Hyde. Yeah. But then yeah. for some reason, do you think, I don't know, is this on purpose or did Marvel not allow Gerber to use like a real villain or like a famous villain? Do you think it's yeah. on purpose? On the cover, it even looks like he's got like an energy weapon tied to his yeah. wrench or something. Well, I think Gerber didn't want to have a real villain. Oh. Gerber and Screenus, I should say keep saying Gruber but it's the two of them together I think they wanted the comic to be more street level Mm. Uh, there's going to be other villains so okay I have a more sophisticated answer to this next two issues are not written by Gerber or Screenus they're written by other creators oh really seven and eight seven and eight yeah oh okay which is you know one of my great sadnesses in my comic reading life honestly uh and in those two issues, they bring in real Marvel villains, mm. two different Marvel villains. Eight has Nitro, for example, the, the villain who gives the original Captain Marvel cancer. Oh, wow. So I think there's this tension between what Gerber and Screenus want to do with this comic and what Marvel editorial wants them to do with it. Mm-hmm. And I think this cover, which is created by John Romina, right, who is the staff artist on, yeah. at Marvel at the time, he he was basically reading from his editor that we want this comic to be more superhero and less urban adventure. Got it. Okay. Oh, interesting. That's how I interpret that anyway. No, it makes sense because I was like, oh, because there's even like that, that covered dialogue is all like, you may think I'm another muscle-bound bum, but you ain't felt the power of the wrench <laughs> right and that actually looks like the more wrench. of a classic marvel help? comic right and he's what holding that? he's holding amber in his arms you know he look he looks like he's like this true villain yeah and instead he's just this pathetic loser yeah it's like the wrench it's like get the hell out of here with the wrench that's his like weapon it's a wrench that opens up screws yeah right yeah it's funny Although James Gunn, in his movie Super, which is one of the movies he made before he made Guardians, mm-hmm. uh, the Rain Wilson character who dresses as a hero carries around a wrench and beats people up with a wrench. Oh, interesting. So I wonder if uh, Gunn was a fan of this comic. I get sued by Marvel. 
Yeah, yeah right. Well, well, he got kind of got taken over by Marvel. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. But even next page is interesting. This is another repeat of when James Michael sees a you know a woman being disrespected by her partner. I'm assuming it's his boy, it's her boyfriend or somebody, right? Or maybe a pimp. I don't know. It's I think we're man. meant to think it's a pimp. Because of the hat, right? Because of the yeah. hat and the fur coat. <laughs> Is that what's cute? The fur coat and the, um, and the the scar under his eyes. It yeah. looks so. It looks so dumb, and she looks so kind of clean for, which yeah. you imagine is a New York prostitute. I mean, the haircut is not great, but you know, what's interesting? It's a repeat of like James Michael's trying to help her, and she's like, "Get away!" You know, get the hell out of here. Even though he's trying to help her, even though she's she's being wronged by the man. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a lot of kind of world building of James Michael's yeah. world, right? Yeah, and I feel like it's a repeat of the la- like what Elgato was doing to mm-hmm. I forget what the girl's name was. Was it Susie or Susan? I don't remember. Teresa. Teresa, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of repeats this issue. A lot of the same themes kind of being re- reiterated, yeah. And then... It's funny, like how it's such a small world, except like everybody runs into each other. So James Michaels runs into Amber on our date. And spies on them. Oh, okay. Well, maybe he's got powers. He knows where she's at. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, we know, yeah, we know from the previous issue, he has some psychic ability. Yeah. Also, I think Amber could do better. Well, than this guy? Yeah, yeah, she knows it too. How oh, really? Oh, she does. She says it. Yeah, it was, it was a pleasant, if unexceptional, evening with an earnest young man who, oh, she, wow. who she'd prefer not fall in love with her. Oh, she's already like said, no, this isn't the guy for me. Oh, cool. It's James Michael. And she, no, <laughs> she'd rather just put her feet up, take a hot bath, and watch the late show. Mm. I like this too because we're seeing her world. This is just an ordinary day in her world. She had an unexceptional date with some dude who is like this failed author. Mm-hmm. Right. I'll let you know when I make my next second sale to Man's World. She's kind of just some loser, also. <laughs> they don't it's look as, they don't look like especially like happy together. Yeah, and he looks yeah, that's funny. It's very like he's smoking a cigarette too, and you see people drinking in this comic. It's like, oh wow, things have changed. Yeah, this isn't Fantastic Four, is it? No. I mean, were you when did they institute that law? Do you know about like no smoking or drinking in a comic book? Oh, that was the 80s for sure. 80s? Oh, okay. And this is from the 70s. Yeah. But it is funny because um just to, on that topic with alcohol on smoking, there's a part when uh, when James Michael gives the money to the homeless person, he's all like, he'll only put it towards his next bottle of wine. Oh, it's like a, it's like a sophisticated homeless guy, not like malt liquor or whatever, you know. Well, oh, next bottle of wine. Well, it's like that. that no, it's that shitty enhanced Thunderbird wine. Oh, okay, all right, okay. It, it's the it's the ghetto wine. Okay, all right, okay. <laughs> if that doesn't sound racist. But no, they're not they're not talking uh, you know, hundred dollar bottle of wine, they're talking Thunderbird and crap. Yeah, and then there's uh the wrench looking in his mom's picture, candlelit dinner, and he's getting drunk. 
Oh, no, no, he's drinking tab soda. Yeah, you're right. I really like that sequence, the, just the six panels, very short little segments of his life oh, yeah. in there. Yeah. It's a really clever storytelling, a really nice way to tell a story in 17 pages. Mm-hmm. So we're like before we had maybe some pages that were wasted here. It all feels very tight. Kirk Clemmer. I like that his mom looks like him in a wig. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. He keeps the candle lit for her. In a weird way, you can feel empathy for this poor guy. And then uh, James Michael is kicking ass at a pinball. So this is foreshadowing for later in the series also. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we'll, we'll see a scene in issue 10 that I want to, that we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. But this, this aptitude for machines is really important. Oh, okay, cool. Can you believe this cheating rube? rube. God, the, the <laughs> Amber, what is a rube? You speak the argots of everyone around you. It's so funny because Rube is like a dorky thing now for us. It's like, yeah, you're not James Michael. It's a good thing you didn't know what that means because <laughs> right? you feel dork. <laughs> and like, I like how James Michael is great at it, but he just is so like oblivious to, I appear to have won a free game. Excuse me. Like he's still so polite, even though he's in the middle of this mm-hmm. jungle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it seems like Kurt just kind of basically chances upon them. Yeah, Gurnar, Gurnar. Yeah, like what is that? What is that sound effect from? Is that him growling at them? Probably growling. Yeah. Do you see this? He has like a tattoo on his left arm. I was. I tried to zoom in on that, and I like I can't read anything it's on illegible. it. Legible. Yeah. I think. Oh, it says mother on it. I think there's like something about mother on the tattoo. Yeah, I think you're right in script. The other parts, I don't know what it is. Elvin. So maybe this giant guy's been a mama's boy all his life. Yeah. God, makes no sense at all. But I mean, a lot you of things. So? I mean, why would he be like, why is he shooting everybody? Why is he trying to kill people? I just read this him just being enraged about his mom's death mm-hmm. and not knowing what to do about it and then mentally challenged or something yeah yeah but and he's just lashing out mm-hmm. but yeah i mean why does he grab the gun and randomly shoot people yeah it does seem a little there, there's like a scene missing mm-hmm. why that, does he have a gun yeah i thought he was a wrench oh it's not his gun is it his gun yeah he, he has the gun in his pocket it is yeah why would yeah. we see him grab the gun but it's in shadow Mm-hmm. On the last panel of that page we were just talking about, where he's looking at his mom. Mm-hmm. Oh no, he's reaching for the wrench. We don't actually see him grab the gun. But the gun is in his is in his pocket. Yeah, we see him reach into his pocket and grab it before he fires. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of weird, but um, finally, uh... I like how our hero jumps on him, but it's not for dramatic effect. He's been studying Kurt attempting to discern the extent and nature of the man's madness. Mm-hmm. Where I noted certain, certain similarities to, they never say who, he, who they're similar to. 
I mean, it, this is happening time and time again, where like the hero jumps. I think it happened in another one where like he got beat up by the Hulk or something. Mm-hmm. He's jumping in, he's going to do something heroic and he gets shot and he dies. Or, you know, we don't know if he's dead. Obviously, he's probably not dead because there's like four more issues. But but it's just like everything is like anticlimactic. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. That's a really astute comment, because I think that is one of the, the thrust of this entire narrative. Mm-hmm. is that the heroism is is anticlimactic mm-hmm. and the guy who's dressed in red and blue who looks like he could be uh, uh you know from a superman comic is actually pretty ineffectual yeah and he it's the kid that saves the day kind of yeah exactly only after amber tries to stop him with her karate lesson one karate mm-hmm. lesson i thought that was really clever and interesting but yeah, and, and then we get back to the voices yeah. on the last page. Uh, stricken immobile the instant the bullet met the Cape Man skull. So again, we have a connection between him and the Cape Man, the, our hero, held that way by the voices in his head. So again, the voices are there, and then they're clamoring, do something, do something, do something, and that's when he shoots. Mm-hmm. So again, more enigmas inside enigmas, more questions inside yeah. questions. I don't even know if, like, uh, what was I going to say? Like, are the voices good? Are they bad? Doesn't really matter, it seems like. Yeah. So, so I guess the next couple of issues, it's going to be kind of boring, huh? <laughs> so I was going to suggest we do the next two issues in one yeah, this next week. Idea. Yeah. There's some important scenes in issue eight that set up the, a, a new sequence in issue nine. Mm-hmm. And there's some stuff the hero does that's pretty interesting. Uh, Scott Edelman, who wrote issue seven, has also written about his approach to it. So I can find that post for us. Oh, cool. But there's a really interesting scene at the end of issue seven that I think is worth talking about. Okay, cool. Yeah, that'd be good to look at. But this was, I thought, Maybe not the best issue of the series, but one of the most interesting issues. It's interesting because with the context that you give to the next couple of issues of new writers for the next two issues, it's like he must have did something that pissed off Marvel. Like, wait, what do you do? Why are you using a wrench? And, you know, like, yeah, so it was interesting. You know what? I wish was that interesting. The reason he didn't have time is because this issue came out the same issue as the issue where Howard the Duck running for president. Mm. And they launched this whole big marketing effort around that. And it was just consuming all this time. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, because the Howard the Duck in 76 campaign was actually a big deal. And Howard was really popular. Gerber was written up in like real magazines. There was mm. an article about Gerber in Playboy magazine. Oh, and in, in oh, the so summer that... of 76, talking about Howard the Duck. Oh, so I didn't know it sell, sold that well. Yeah, so he was a legitimate celebrity. Oh, wow creating these very strange and we haven't read Howard together uh, but Howard's a very strange series mm. not just because you know it's Howard the Duck but because it's it's got a lot of the satiric elements of Omega just with the humor turned up a little bit oh interesting because I was gonna say well we'll talk about this next issue I think this is a good topic to talk about it's like why didn't they just let Mary Screenus write this issue next yeah. two issues that's a great question Hey, thanks, Amir. Thank you. Thanks, Jason.
Oh, thank you.